CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Wednesday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. Glad you've joined us. We always are. Looking forward to being with you for about the next hour as we answer questions about the Bible from the Bible and explore the current events from a biblical perspective and also what we hear in churches, even in the Bible at all. If you've been sharing your faith, we want to just encourage you to give us a call and somebody's asked you a question, you come across something you don't understand the Bible. That's why we're here for you. We love to be here. And so I just want to encourage you to Give us a call, 8888-ASK-CSN. we got some lines open. Joining me today, special guest featured CSN speaker comes on after To Every Man and Answer. We have with us Jeff Wickwire from Turning Point Church in Fort, well, Dallas-Fort Worth. Hi and welcome. Hi, Mike. Looking forward to a great show today. It's been a really momentous week in a lot of different ways. You had those off Grammys where... Satan worship took place on a national stage, um, right out there for everybody to see. And no one seemed to much care. At least the people that were there didn't care. When, uh, Sam Smith, I believe that's his name, Sam Smith got up there and in, in a devil costume and boom and dance around him and trans, transsexuals and all this other stuff. And they literally did satanic ritual stuff in the middle of the Grammys. And um right there, you know, so right when you think it can't go further down, it goes further down. Because even CBS, a quote or a, a response to it, I believe, where whoever was speaking for CBS said, we can't wait to worship. When they were told it was going to be about satanic worship, they retweeted, we can't wait to worship. So there yeah, you go. Really dark, really, really dark really stuff. Really dark stuff, stuff. And that's why we're here. Yeah, Hollywood, the whole, yeah, the Hollywood, the whole news broadcasting, all, all in the tank on the dark side. So, uh, again, no everybody, um, redeeming the time, the days are evil. And again, we want to once again, uh, just remind you in Thailand, we reported yesterday, uh, uh, one of our callers called in and we did check it. And in fact, the, um, the, uh, in Thailand, they, they did have objections to the COVID vaccination. However, they're still allowing it there, but, um, a lot of problems with it in foreign countries. And so just to let you know that it's, uh, it is, um, uh, uh, a real issue still in the world we're in. Well, let's go ahead and go to the phones. We have Gail on the line, Rocky Mountain, Virginia. Hi and welcome. Hi. Um, thank you for taking my call. I was, I was just wondering if you're familiar with a uh, YouTube. It's a, it's called Truth United. It's a Christian group that believes that African Americans are the true Israelites. Yeah, totally ridiculous. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, um, it, it's very clear that they are the descendants of, of, uh, of, uh, Abraham and, um, your thoughts. Yeah. They're, 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 that's just 
not true. It's I don't know how exactly they come up with that, but biblically, you can't get down the street with it. Um, all of Israel, the northern tribes, the southern tribes, northern tribes consisting of ten of them, and the and the southern Judah and Benjamin, they were all were all then it's of Abraham, Isaac, and then uh, fathered by Jacob, all the heads of the twelve tribes, and so they were Semitic. They were not uh, African American or or black. That's just simply not true. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. Uh, the Bible does mention um, uh, there. You know, as an example, uh, one of uh, of uh, Abraham. Or let's see, uh, married an Ethiopian. It's very clear that it was identified that way. What was it, uh, Abraham or? Uh, Abraham, or was it, um, yeah, it was Abraham, I believe. So Moses, Moses is married to the Cushite. Yes. Yes. So very clear that we, we find that, uh, in the Bible, but, um, uh, no, that is not a biblical stand, nor was Jesus Christ Caucasian, as oftentimes you'll see in the Mm -hmm. Christian bookstores holding the lamb. No, he was from the Middle Eastern descent and, um, I have no problem with that. Nor nor was he black, nor was he Hispanic. No. He was olive-skinned. Yep. So hope that helps. Okay. Yeah, it did. Thank you. Appreciate it. God bless you. Stay in line if you like. Send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you really like it. Of of course, the movie Jesus as well. Let's go to Daniel. Hilo, Hawaii. Aloha. Uh, Aloha. My question is uh, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 10. Okay, what's yes. the question? I need a clarification. What's your opinion on that? I'll read it, Mike. It's and okay. it happened on the next day. Uh, this is jump. This is jumping at eighteen ten. So it happened. It happened on the next. Day. The distressing spirit from God, God came upon Saul, and he prophesied inside the house. So David played music with his hand as at other times, but there was a spear in Saul's hand. And Saul cast the spear for he said, I'll pin David to the wall. So, so verse 10 is, is Saul had been overtaken by the spirit of jealousy. There's no question. He heard the children, the, the women of Israel singing a famous top 40 hit song of Israel in that day, which was Saul is slain as thousands, but David is ten thousands. And we could say it was one of the top 40, top 40 Israel and uh, became a hit, hit. And we're all singing it. And Saul said, I'm in trouble. They're attributing thousands to me, but tens of thousands to David. What can I do? But he's, he's going to try to take the kingdom next. That's what's next on his list, and which wasn't true. David was not going to try to overthrow Saul. He never did. But Saul, from that moment on, it says he eyed David suspiciously with jealousy. And it multiplied, it snowballed until finally David would go in to like have a meal with Saul and all of the, uh, the family and whatnot, uh, pick up a javelin and hurl it at him, at him. He was so furious about, uh, David and his suspicions that he was going to try to steal the kingdom from him. So that's what verse 10 is about. And, um, usually when David would play music, the evil spirit would leave Saul. Here we see a change. 
evil spirit is not driven out, Saul yields to it and tries to kill David. And that's what's going on. Yes, and where it says an evil spirit from the Lord, you have to remember the devil is still God's devil. And if you want to walk on the dark side, oftentimes God will let you. And he'll provide those things. Now, I think a lot of times the reason why God does this is to show a person that's not where the answer to life is. In other words, if a person wants to indulge in sin, I believe sometimes God allows it, doesn't do it, but he allows it, as certainly he did here with David uh, 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 and Saul. We find that that it isn't that, you know, God sends a eeny, beeny, chilly, beeny, uh, evil spirit, but that really David or maybe I should say Saul, who was really in rebellion to God all along, he went all over Israel, the Bible says, building monuments to himself. Not to God, but to himself. And so when we understand that an evil spirit was allowed by God to go and trouble Saul, well, actually, Saul was getting exactly what he wanted. And when he removed that protection that I believe that that God gives human beings— uh, against evil, but you, you want to get into uh, drugs or into the occult or deep into sin like jealousy and sexual sins and things like that, I believe you can find yourself in a world that you never even knew existed, how dark and how de- depraved it is. So, Daniel, I hope that helps. Well, like the Grammy Awards. Grammy Awards. Yeah, it, it, yeah, you, you, yeah. you see... You see a nation now um, going antichrist. You know, I do believe that there are protective angels, even for countries. But I think ours has been severely, severely strained. Because when you see what is going on through Hollywood, the seduction, not only of the United States, but the nations, and you see this open satanic worship, um, all I can say is how deplorable for any American uh, uh, broadcasting network to carry such filth and trash. I don't care whether you call it the Grammy Awards. I don't care what you call it. But this is where uh, we we find this. And again, we, we see this uh, thing, you know, uh, again, last night, Joe Biden coming out against assault weapons. Do you know fentanyl? pouring across our southern border kills more Americans every day than any gun does. But yet you don't hear Joe Biden coming out against illegal immigration, fentanyl coming across the backs of of people breaking into our country. No, not a word. He's a bleeding heart liberal that will not look at the facts because they have an agenda. And that agenda is to end the United States and make it a socialist country. Clear and simple, no doubt about it. This is not conspiracy theory. This is absolute. Why didn't Joe Biden shoot down that Chinese satellite? Well, according to Hunter Biden, Joe gets money from China. Yeah, we're going to break into that next uh, in the next few months, as now the Republican House can actually get somewhere to find out just how deep this criminal activity goes with his son and Joe as well, getting this under-the-table money from China. Yeah, that's right, everybody. So why would you shoot down a Chinese uh, spy balloon when you're getting money under the table from that? And to make sure that it completely got to photograph everything it wanted to, 
soon as it got out past South Carolina and into the Atlantic Ocean, then they shot it down. Oh, what a, what throw the American people a bone. No, it should have been shot down the minute it crossed into Alaskan airspace. But no, there's an agenda and we know what it is. These people call themselves Democrats, but they're really communists. They're not John Kennedy or, or Harry Truman type Democrats. No, this is the new morphed communist party that's bringing every foul thing into our nation, whether it be the transgenderism, whether it be the, you know, it is interesting to me that, uh, Jeff, that everything that God has made, they are perverting everything. Isn't it amazing? God gave us the rainbow to show that he wouldn't destroy the earth again. And probably a lot of the sexual behavior that caused the great flood was this very issue now transgendered into the, uh, the gay movement, uh, um, icon. Um, God made men, God made women. That's under attack. The rainbow's under attack. Everything that God does, Marriage. creationism, is under attack by the forces of darkness with non-reason experience, non-reason, just, I, I believe it, that makes it true. And again, when we have this kind of insanity running our country, when we have this heartbreaking, not one more death because of a gun, we want to take all the guns away. That's tugging at your heartstring. They have a little 12-year-old girl on screen. My friend was shot in Texas. and I, 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 That's a terrible thing. I don't think anybody should ever be shot. But it pales in comparison to the somewhere between, they're saying now between 54 and 100,000 people, American citizens, a year dying of fentanyl because the Democrats won't shut down the southern border. Now, friends, this is hypocrisy. In the supreme example, there's nothing that, that screams of this anymore. So what am I saying? America's done. Do what you got to do while you can do it, because America is going on. When you see open satanic worship praised by the American news media, you know our days are short. Jesus said, work for the night is coming when no one can work. And I'm telling you, everyone, we are under attack like we've never seen before. And they come on, they come on the air with this bleeding heart liberal. Oh, not one more death, but they don't care about the hundreds of thousands of people who have died because of fentanyl because they won't shut down the border. No, they're all liars and they're all hypocrites. If they really cared about law and order, if they really cared about crime, if they really cared about the American people, a lot border would be shut down right now. But, you know, uh, Jeff, you're in Texas where you have and your cities there have firsthand seed, seen the the tyranny of what's going on. Yeah, I do know that uh, one of the border hospitals is about to shut down because they have been completely overwhelmed. Their emergency room, all of their resources have been taxed to the max and they're about to close just from taking care of people illegally crossing the border. So Americans can't get care, but, and, and I don't want to see anybody go without care. I, honestly, I don't. But you, you know, how much illegal immigration is enough? They say there's more than 80 mil, million now in the United States uh, that are here illegally. 
Um, how much is enough? 200 million, 500 million, a billion? You want to move the whole world into America to overthrow it? Is this where the Democrats are going to get their votes in the next election? Evidently, this is what it is. If you can't get it through cheating and mail-in ballots, well, then you just naturalize illegal people so they'll vote in the next election. You don't think, America, we are being overthrown? Wake up and smell the coffee. Listen, the reason they want to take guns away from you, America, go write it on your calendar. Crazy Mike Kessler said this is because of what they're going to do to you in the days to come. And I guarantee you, America, you're not going to like it, and you will have no way to fight back. Remember, governments, tyranny governments, um, really love unarmed peasants. Always remember that. Daniel, I hope that answers your question for you. But uh, again, sorry for the bunny trail, but there's just so many things going on. Yes, there are demons. They are real. They're underneath uh, the control of God. Again, always remember, even the devil is God's devil. That's why we need to never fear him. We need to respect him. We don't bring railing accusation against him. We don't jeer at him, as it says in the book of Jude. We just say, the Lord rebuke you. And we stay on with life. Daniel, stay on line. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs, okay? And we might have lost Daniel, but Daniel, if you're still there, stay on and also send you out the movie Jesus. Let's go to Lehi in Reno, Nevada. Hi, welcome. Hi, thank you for taking my um, question. Um, I was listening this morning to a sermon on CSN um, from one of the pastor. And he was talking about there is no greater person out there than being a servant um, yourself, just like the apostles. And he's saying being a servant to your family, to your friends, to your community, anyone that you could help. My question is, how much help can you help someone, especially your family members, to be a help to them, a servant to them, until to the point where you can't do it anymore to help them? Does that make you a sinner for not for to step back and not to be able to help anymore? Well, first of all, do you realize a couple of things? That there are more needs in the world than you, I, and all the Christians together can can minister to. Now, remember when Jesus was there, where the the angel would come down and stir the water, and he said, "There's no one to put me in." And we remember, it, the Bible says it was surrounded with a bunch of sick folk, but we only find Jesus healing that one man. He didn't heal everybody there. And I think that's interesting, not that that Jesus doesn't want to. It's just that I believe that we can only do what God calls us to do and what he opens the door for us to do, because there's always going to be more needs than you and me can do. So what we need to do then is what has God presented in front of us as we give the Lord each day, Father, today is your day, open, close the doors according to your will for my life. And as those needs come up, we minister to those needs. And sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's giving somebody a ride or mowing the lawn next door. Sometimes it's it's praying for a person. Um, but whatever it is, I believe those are the things that we are required to do because there is simply more needs in the world than any person, group, all the Christians can minister to. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, 
there's a difference between serving somebody uh, as Christ would want you to and actually enabling them in a wrong direction. And I think sometimes we, we say, well, this person is really struggling. I need to step in. I need to pull in the slack, provide for their needs, help them get on their feet. And so we, we serve them in that way. But then you wake up and realize, well, wait a minute. They're really taking advantage of my help, and they don't have any intention of changing. So I need to draw the line between serving and enabling. I can't enable somebody in sin, but I can actually serve them in a way that helps them get on their feet. So that, that's one thing. Another thing is you can kill yourself in ministry. Uh, Spurgeon liked to quote this. He said, the bow always bent will break. And you, everything needs to relax. Everything needs a break. Everything needs to rest. And uh, so even with people that serve, 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 you are not Superman, and you're not a hose that never runs out of water. You're a cup that does run out of water, and you need to replenish and refill the cup regularly. So if it's an issue of enabling somebody, that's one thing. And if it's an issue of overdoing it with serving, where it's killing you or hurting your marriage or hurting your home life, that's where wisdom comes in, the wisdom of balance. We need balance in all that we do for Christ. Mike? Amen. And, uh, you know, again, I I, I just, you know, I, I keep thinking about, remember Jesus was crossing over the Sea of Galilee with the disciples and a storm came up on the sea and the boat began to take in water and they woke Jesus up, it says, asleep on the cushions and said, alas, master, we perish. Now, when I see that, that tells me something really interesting. I don't know if you've ever been on a boat that is getting ready to sink. You have water uh, splashing. You have the wind blowing the waves, hitting you in the face. And Jesus was asleep on the cushions. Now, first of all, to be asleep on a boat on a still day, I can understand that but not on a boat ready to sink because the disciples knew the ship was going down. That's why they woke you. Number two, you have water splashing you in the face and that didn't wake you up. Tells me that Jesus was totally exhausted in that boat when he was wakened. Now, friends, again, I look at this, there's always going to be more needs than we are capable of. So what God has called us to do is respond to what we see. Use wisdom, use discernment, we have to be very, very careful because we can enable people to carry on in a sinful lifestyle, sometimes by helping them. And when we help somebody in an adverse uh, a lifestyle, we need to explain to them, I'm helping you, but you need to get out of whatever it is that you're doing. If you're an alcoholic, you need to stop drinking. See, the problem is to just go up to somebody that uh, is panhandling and just give them money. Oh, they're going to go buy a nickel bag. They're going to go buy a, uh, you know, a bottle of vino, whatever it might be. Um, we want to be real careful in how and what we do. So I believe that we just have to use wisdom and discernment. Dear, I hope that helps.
Thank you very much. It does. That really helped a lot. Thank you. So uh, stay in line, send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll really enjoy that, as well as the movie Jesus. And with that, we'll go to Jim, Phoenix, Arizona. Hi, welcome. Yeah, hi, pastors. I appreciate you picking my call up. I, I know you mentioned about Calvinism, that it's not really, you know, biblical. But, you know, I find myself, I go to church every Sunday, almost every Sunday. I read the Bible every day, pray several times a day. But I still seem to be stuck in the cords of this world that I just can't break, you know, the heathenness that I'm in to be a better Christian. And I wonder if maybe Calvinism is true because maybe I'm destined not to go to heaven. See, that's why it's a cult. And I'm sorry to be so blunt with everybody, but you're not the only one. Jim, that has come up with this conclusion, that because we struggle in the flesh, then I guess I'm predestined to go to hell. That's why it is such a screwed up doctrine. It is not biblical. We are to preach the gospel to every creature. If you read Revelation chapter 22, the Spirit and the bride say, come, and all anyone who thirsts, come. It isn't just the predestinated ones. No, we all struggle this side of heaven, Jim. We all do. Paul says, as sinners, I am chief. Not I was chief. I am chief. The things I do, I don't want to do. The things I wish I would do, I don't. This is what Paul was crying out because we're in a sinful, fallen body that until we get this new body that we're going to get, we're going to be, we're going to be drug all over the place. That's why if we walk in the spirit, we won't we won't fill the lust of the flesh, Jim. Or, uh, and so, Jim, that's why I think it's so important. Jeff, your thoughts? Yeah, Jim, we're all growing in uh, the spirit and the things of God. And, you know, a little baby will get to where he's walking, but then he falls, skins his knee. Well, he doesn't, he's not disowned at that point by the parent. Uh, you know, what are you doing falling, skinning your knee? Uh, no, they, they love him all the more. And the fact is that we're all on God's, um, you know, his, his, we are his workmanship. And we're on the potter's wheel. And every day we grow. And uh, Paul wrote, and I love this, I'm confident that he that has begun a good work in you will finish it till the day of Jesus Christ. And I would lay hold of that promise, Jim. But you're saying... Amen. Yeah, in fact, Jim, stay in line. We're coming upon a break. When we come back, I want to pray for you and all those, including myself, that all struggle this side of heaven. There's great news from God's Spirit above. We'll be right back right after this. You know, it's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our health care. No doubt. This is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly healthcare costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch. It's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with healthcare costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. And MediShare is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry that's worked beautifully for 29 years. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. 
Here you go. Call 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. Does the Bible seem too big, complicated, and overwhelming? There's a free Bible resource that's been around for more than 25 years and is used and trusted by millions worldwide. The Enduring Word Bible Commentary by David Guzik is a clear and simple way for everyday Christians and even seasoned Bible teachers to study God's Word. David's commentary not only breaks down the entire Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse, it also provides helpful quotes from well-known Bible expositors throughout history. The commentary has also been translated into many languages, including Spanish, Arabic, Chinese, and more. Find the Enduring Word Bible Commentary as well as a free downloadable ebook called The King's Kingdom, a deeper look at the Sermon on the Mount by David Guzik at EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. That's EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. you back to part two of To Every Man and Answer on this Wednesday afternoon with Jeff Wickwire from Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. I'm your host, Mike Kessler, and uh, we're going to go right back to the phones. We had Jim on the line, which I think, Jim, I think your question is indicative for a lot of Christians that realize this battle, this struggle between the spirit and the flesh. And I, I genuinely believe what wins is what we feed. You feed the spirit, you're going to reap the spirit. If you feed the flesh, you're going to, you know, reap the flesh. And that doesn't do any of us any good. But, uh, you know, Jeff, you were saying before we went to the break about how this seems to befriend everybody and this battle and how Paul longed to be delivered. And that means when he went to heaven, mm-hmm. no longer an old sinful body that's going to want to go contrary to the Spirit of God. But this body, all of ours, are under a curse that happened in the garden. Sinning doesn't make you a sinner. Sinning proves what you are. And there's a big difference. Your thoughts? Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, the Bible calls the flesh, the Greek word is sarks. S-A-R-X. And uh, the idea is that even though we've been redeemed, and we have, and we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and we do, if you have believed on Christ, uh, but also we've got this situation where Paul wrote, the spirit lusts against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit so that we don't always do what we would rather do or know that we should do. Now, that's not an excuse. You can't do a Flip Wilson and say, well, the flesh made me do it or the devil made me do it. We need to repent and confess our sin when we mess up. But the bottom line is we will be in a battle with the flesh until we go to heaven. And thank God in heaven we'll have glorified bodies and there will be no more flesh, no more devil, and we'll have just unrelenting peace, bliss, joy. But until then, if I by the Spirit do put to death the deeds of the body, I shall live. And that's what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. And that is the answer to the battle with the flesh. So get into that word every day. 
feed your spirit man, your inner man, pray, and discipline yourself to not look at or listen to things that are going to make you stumble. And eventually God will make you strong. And what you stumble over today, you will not stumble over tomorrow. And that's that's the word of hope that the scripture gives us. Mike. Amen. Amen. Well, Father, we lift up Jim and all those listening that go through the same thing every day. Lord, I believe sometimes the closer we get to you, the more intense the battle gets. And so we just ask you that you would strengthen Jim, strengthen all of us, God, that will be about your business. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so, Lord, may you just keep us in your love, open doors and close them, Going back to our last call, who we're supposed to help and who we can't, Lord, give us that wisdom that comes only from you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Jim, appreciate your call. It's something we all go through. And uh, no, um, uh, we all wrestle with this. And uh, I mean, even look at Peter. You know, I'll never deny you, Lord. I'm willing to go die with you. Before the cock crowed twice, the Bible says, he denied the Lord three times. Now, interesting, if you've ever been on a farm, uh, usually when a chicken or a, a rooster crows, they'll crow, and then there'll be a little bit of time, maybe a few minutes, and then they'll crow again. So I believe that probably after Peter had denied the Lord probably at least once, maybe twice, uh, when he heard the first cock crow, um when he denied him the third time and then the cock crowed the second time, I believe that's when he was cut to the heart. He went out and wept bitterly, the Bible says. Jim, yet Jesus loved Peter, and we find some interesting words that Peter says, casting all your cares upon him, he cares for you. I love that. Jim, stay in line. We'll send you out some books and DVDs, okay? Thank you, pastors. God's grace to you both. God's good. Keep looking up. Our redemption draws nigh. Redeem the time. The days, in fact, are very evil. Let's go to Lindsay Bellingham, Washington. Hi, welcome. Hi. My husband and I listen to the show um, pretty much all the time. My my husband listens every day and he's driving a truck. And uh, we just really appreciate um, everything that you guys do and, and just being a voice. Um, for Christian Americans and um, Christians across the world. And um, my question came up today in, in Bible study um, where our leader mentioned um, that uh, the love for love for homosexuals, um, just loving them uh, through their sin. Um, but she questioned whether it was a, uh, a, a sin of uh, that if they, if they're living, living in sin through homosexuality, um, if they would lose their salvation, and uh, I, a couple of us kind of had different opinions on it. I I personally believe that um, that you can't have salvation with uh, without fully giving your life to Christ. Um, but I I struggle with that how to love love homosexuals without um, you know loving the sinner and hating the sin. But where does it say that in the Bible that? that they would lose their salvation. First Corinthians chapter 6. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. Now, not to a brothel, not to a bar, not to a bunch of worldly people. He's writing to Christians. And he says in First Corinthians chapter 6, do not be deceived. Evidently, 
There's those that are self-deceived, and then there are deceivers that go in and tell people, hey, once you're a Christian, you can live your life the way you want to. Buddy, you're saved. Don't worry about it. Listen, that is not what the Bible teaches. He says, do not be deceived. Those that practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. The key word there is practice. That doesn't mean sinning, struggling with sin, going back to our last caller. We all struggle with things, all different kinds of sins. But the word practice means an accepted lifestyle that I'm going to live. That's what the word practice means. That's You have a doctor. You, 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 well, he opened his doors. He started his practice here in town. That's what it means. He, 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 this is what he's, his profession is. It says, those that practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven, and sexual immorality is one of the things that's mentioned there, among some other sins as well. So understanding that if we're dug into a lifestyle and we like it, that doesn't mean that you have automatic carte blanche to go to heaven. Otherwise, Paul is lying to the Corinthian church. How dare him? And then Jesus as well writing to the churches in Revelations chapters 2 and 3, saying to one church, unless they repent, and basically the idea is your repentance, and I won't blot your name out of the book of life. However your name got in the book of life, there, because of unrepentance, it can get blotted out. Now, I'm not going to change what Jesus said. I read the last chapter in Revelation, what happens to those brave souls that go in and try to tamper and change what the book of Revelation says, where God says, I'm going to cast you, uh, I'm going to add to you the plagues of this book, or take your name out of the book of life as well, Revelation 22. Uh, I would just simply say that people that are practicing lifestyles, as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, that are contrary to the Spirit of God— don't be deceived. You're not going to inherit the kingdom of heaven. I didn't say it. He did. Your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, one of the great battles going on today are have you the words, don't be deceived. Because theologically, there are people, professing Christians, who are writing books. Uh, they're in uh, movies that have been produced to further the homosexual agenda. And the whole attempt is to theologically justify the homosexual lifestyle. And so this is where a lot of people are being deceived. They're listening to the scriptures being wrongly taught, but they're wrongly taught very convincingly, unless you really know what the Bible says. Uh, You know, they'll use the Greek and this, these different, you know, impressive scholarly-sounding arguments. And so people are being deceived and going, well, apparently it's okay if I live that lifestyle. But the Bible says let God be true and every man a liar. And the plain teaching of Scripture, if you want to go to Romans 1, and you read Romans 1 all the way to the last verse, there is no way you can walk away going, well, God's just fine with a homosexual lifestyle. He's not. Any more than he is fornication, sex before marriage, or adultery, sex with someone other than your spouse, or bestiality, or pedophilia, or any of the others. 
but it is a clearly delineated sexual sin in Scripture. And so I would urge anybody listening, battling with this particular temptation, don't listen to people trying to justify it. Tell you you were born this way, you can't help it. You know, God does not create people who can't help but go against his truth. There's no way. So that's just a contradiction in terms. You're not born that way, except that you are born with a fallen nature like all of us. And we all need to be born again. So that, Mike, to me, is the real issue is don't be deceived because that's that's just coming out like gangbusters all in our culture. You know, the Grammys glorified it. Uh, many Christian, so-called Christian artists are trying to justify it. And uh, it's just one of those deceptive things. It's a spirit that is really attacking this age. And we need to ground ourselves in the Word of God, deeply, deeply root ourselves in the truth that is found in Scripture. Yeah, just go back to, again, I point people to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Very clear, it lists the sins that will not inherit the kingdom of heaven if practiced in a unrepentant manner is what that's talking about. Hope that helps. Yes, thank you. Stay in line, Lindsay. We'll get out to you some books, some DVDs. I think you'll enjoy the movie Jesus is a real blessing. I think you'll like that. Let's go to Claudia in Grand Junction, Colorado. Hi. Um, my question is on tattoos. And um, I did find some scripture in Leviticus um, 19, 28, and 29. Um, I personally have a couple of tattoos. I have a Bible verse on my ankle with a cross. And I have my sister's name um, also because um, she passed away a long time ago. And you know, I've just been really wondering, you know, what God thinks of that and maybe your opinion. Well, the Bible says all things are lawful, not all things are the best for us. And I'm certainly not going to say a tattoo is not, not you know, we go to heaven because Jesus died on the cross, not because we have a tattoo or not. Uh, a lot of the tattoos the Bible is talking about in the Old Testament has to do with sorcery and and uh, incantations for the dead, things like that. Jeff, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, getting a tattoo is certainly not going to, uh, send you to hell, but here, here's the way I look at tattoos. The unfortunate thing is that before people know Christ, to my mind, they get tattoos that are permanent decisions based on a temporary state of mind. <laughs> you know, you, you, you get the name of some rock star or some boyfriend or girlfriend, and these things are going to mean nothing to you once you come to Christ later. And the unfortunate thing is you're stuck with it because it's, you know, it's embedded in your skin and you can go through all the pain of getting it removed. But some of the tattoos, that just ain't going to happen. It's you're stuck with it. So again, a permanent decision based on temporary state of mind. So many are doing it. And uh, I myself don't have any. I'm so glad I don't have any. But no, it's not going to affect your salvation, Claudia, at all. 
Amen. I don't have any either. I don't have time for the pain. But, uh, Claudia, I hope that helps, dear. Yeah, yes, it does. Thank you very much. God bless you. Yeah. And uh, like I say, you know, I, I see a lot of people and they get these tattoos when they're young. Like somebody said one time, yeah, I saw the one guy, he had a crown of thorns around his around his arm. Well, when he gets old and the skin sags, now it looks like a picket fence. So I think you just got to be real careful what we do. We do it. I always pray about everything. Stay on line, Claudio. Send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll really enjoy. Let's go to Johnny, King City, California. Hi, welcome. Hi, Pastor. How are you? Good. How may we help? Uh, thank you for taking my call. Well, I have a question about masturbation. Uh, like, uh, like I know, I know. Uh, there's, uh, there's uh, some weaknesses in this. But uh, how how can we overcome it? Like uh, because I know and I heard that there's uh, there's a, a bad spirit, like uh, the spirit of lust, that controls uh, like some Christians about that. Okay, your thoughts. Well, you know that is a real question um, that churches. Don't usually deal with because they don't want to go there. They don't want to talk about it. Uh, I will say that there are pastors. I read one pastor went national with the advice to practice that. Now, I believe that the same thing holds true for that that it does other lusts of the flesh. That the Bible says, if I by the Spirit do put to death the deeds of the body, I will live. Now, young people who deal with this, you know, you know the hormones are raging, and uh, they're believers, there's, the Holy Spirit lives inside of them, but they are faced with this, especially with the pornographic culture that we live in. I mean, goodness, I mean, the pornographic issue, it's everywhere, all over the Internet, at just a tap of a finger, and you're you're there on a pornographic site, and of course, that's where it's going to take you. That's what it's going to tempt you to do. So I believe it begins with the mind, and God wants control of our mind. And I do believe that if your mind is on whatever is true, whatever is just, whatever is pure whatever is holy, and all the things that Paul lists in Philippians 4, 8, true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of a good report, if there be any virtue and any praise, do what? Think on those things. So I believe the battle with this particular thing starts there. And if you can get control of your thought life, not always easy to do. I'd be the first to admit it. It's not easy to do. Because, again, we are, I mean, just look at the Grammys. I mean, uh, homosexuality, perversion, all kinds of lustful images glorified in front of the entire nation. And who was watching the Grammys? Teenagers. Many Christian teenagers who struggle with masturbation. So, to me, it's a matter of directing your thoughts, 
And if you can first get control of your thoughts by letting the Holy Spirit have control of your thoughts, that is a lot of the victory over that battle. Mike, your thoughts? Yeah, I I think we, we just need to do what Jesus would do. I think we need to keep our, as much as we can, um, and certainly if a person has uh, urges and things like that, the Bible says it's, it's not good for man to dwell alone. And if you're not, uh, if you're not called to be celibate, then don't be celibate, but ask God to provide for you someone that, that you can, uh, uh, be married to and have that companionship and those relationships with, because I, I think that's such an important part of our, of our life. Um, uh, the Bible talks about it. Uh, celibacy is almost like a gift because most people can't. We, we need somebody else. Uh, um, I, I'm a person that, that really needs somebody else. I don't function well on my own. Uh, and so I, I, I think it's really an, a wonderful blessing to be able to have somebody. And I, that's where I would tell somebody that's having problems in any area that way is just ask the Lord to uh, supply a wife. Now, how do we how do we find a wife or a husband? Well, God, I'm just going to lay here on the couch. Now, I just want a really nice girl, and I'm just <clears throat> going to trust you to send her to my front door, and she's going to bang bang on my door, and 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 she, and I'm going to open the door, and she's going to take me now or forever lose me. No, I I really believe that it's ask, seek, and knock, and I believe this is the way we find. Really, a, a, a lot of of the will of God for our life, but to just sit there on a chair and say, "Well, I'm not going to do nothing," have the phone ring God or whatever, I, I don't think we're going to do that. But as far as your question goes, I think we just need, as the Bible says, um, we need to bring every thought captive to the mind of Christ. Johnny, yeah, I hope you, that can helps. I, can I just go ahead? Go ahead, just, Johnny. Let me say a couple other things here. Let me, let me do some real talk. Uh, a lot of the people listening to us right now uh, deal, struggle with this. And here's what I want to say. If you fall in that area, the devil is so faithful to condemn you, tell you you're not saved, tell you that there's no hope for you, or you know, you're constantly failing there, so just give up and go live in the flesh and forget this Christianity stuff. It's not realistic. You know, I can't live what uh, what it's requiring me uh, to do re- regarding purity. But, you know, we, we learn by trial and error. And I want to say to people who have struggled with this and maybe feel condemned about it right now, take it to Jesus. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to forgive us uh, and cleanse us of all unrighteousness and of all defilement of flesh and spirit. So don't let this shoot you down in flames. Uh, You know, if you're having a a struggle with pornography and the masturbation along with it, uh, listen, God can give you victory. And if you fall a thousand times, get up again, Get forgiveness again and move forward again. Don't let this be used by Satan to take you out of the race or to convince you that you really can't live the Christian life. Because listen, 
not just this area, but any area where you have a fleshly weakness, the Bible promises sin shall no longer have dominion, rulership, victory over you. Now, that's true. So if that's true, then it's true for me to walk in and to believe that I can ultimately get victory over the flesh, whatever the area of weakness is. So I want to encourage all of our listeners that are struggling with this or any other kind of fleshly weakness, drinking, drugs, cussing, whatever it may be, these are all lusts of the flesh and works of the flesh that eventually the child of God will get victory over. So don't quit. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't put up the white flag. Don't walk away and say it's hopeless because it's not. That's a lie. It's not hopeless for you, and God can give you the victory. Johnny, I hope that helps. Uh, it helps me a lot, to be honest, and that's that's what Satan does to me. He always attacks me um, with with these thoughts like, I'm not saved, I'm going to hell, God won't forgive me because I keep doing it over and over. Uh, well, it's not true. That's not true. And you can't listen to it. And, you know, I know people, for instance, that struggle with drinking. And they don't get victory for months. And then they fall off the wagon. And believe me, I've had to go and pick them up. You know, it's like I need a spatula to scoop them up off the ground because they feel like God's done with me. He's not going to forgive me. I keep falling. No, you never give up. You give it to God every time. And eventually, here's what the Bible promises. God is able to make you stand. So, Johnny, don't give up. And, um, Mike, you know, this is a struggle for a lot of people. And the Word of God has a word for us that we can be free. Amen. And and so, again, it's through prayer. And I believe, again, we understand that God has, has an, a, you know, th- these functions in our body that do what they do. I believe this is why we bring every thought captive to the mind of Christ and just say, Lord, hey, I, you know, I'd like to meet somebody or whatever, so I won't have these urges and feelings and all these kinds of things. Um, but the dangerous part is that we listen to our feelings sometimes more than God, and that's where I think we find ourselves always in trouble. Johnny, stay on the line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs I think you'll really enjoy. And uh, thanks, Jeff, for being on today. My pleasure. Look forward to being back with you. As tomorrow, we will have another episode of To Every Man and Answer. Again, with all things going on in the world, keep looking up. Our redemption draws nigh. Redeem the time. The days are evil. God bless you and good night. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 